Hey everybody, this is Pastor James and welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are in chapter 26 today and uh, once again we're starting to get this clear picture of the time frame leading up to Jesus' death. And as chapter 26 continues on, today we are going to be focusing on the Lord's Supper. Now our Bible study today uh, won't be as long as others that we've had in the past, but I do want to share with you uh, some information about the Lord's Supper that was um, that I feel like is very important. And uh, whenever I did this Bible study uh, a couple weeks ago with our Wednesday night group that come in person, we actually partook of the Lord's Supper, and I shared this information with them while we were taking it. So it's a beautiful imagery, um, great uh, opportunity to really talk about what's going on, talk about these last moments that Jesus has with his disciples as he's communicating with them. So let's read Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 30 together, and we'll talk about the Lord's Supper. It says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, My time has come, and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. And when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one, Lord? And he replied, One of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, You have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. All right, so I don't feel like we could do uh, this passage justice without just kind of breaking this down and, and talking about uh, what the Lord's Supper means and, and what Jesus is communicating in this moment. So as Jesus comes into this meal, it's really important to uh, understand what typically happens during the Passover meal. And so typically a father would come into the Passover meal um, and, and he would begin to... Uh, serve this meal to his family and begin to talk about it and um, really explain what was going on and how God led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And everything about this Passover meal symbolizes and represents something about God bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt and freeing them. And uh, just like uh, Jesus perfectly obeying the law. He is doing exactly what a father is supposed to do. So he tells the Passover story during the course of this meal with each food that's partaken of, uh, just like a father would do to his family. And remember, Jesus obeys the law perfectly, so he's going to do everything that the law requires him to do. And so at this meal, there's all kinds of food on the table. You know, we lose this a lot of times because we're so focused on the bread and the wine. And that's how we celebrate the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper communion, however you refer to it. 
We always talk about the bread and the wine. But during this Last Supper, um, they're celebrating the Passover feast. And so you would have things like unleavened bread, roasted lamb, horseradish, bitter, bitter herbs, salt water, and wine. And all of these things were part of the meal, and they were used that each time that, that you partook of one of these items or drank one of these things, that it would give you a sense or a taste of understanding uh, of what God did and how God uh, performed a miracle or did certain things. And even something as simple as dipping things into the salt water and tasting the salt during the meal was a reminder and a communicating aspect of God leading the people of Israel through the Red Sea. And Jesus did this with the food exactly how a father was supposed to do with his family as they celebrated the Passover meal according to the law. And we see that as they begin to eat the meal after all this was explained and begin, uh, and Jesus is doing this, that Jesus begins to discuss that someone is going to betray him. So he kind of changes the dynamics of this meal and this conversation. And uh, as they're talking about who's going to betray him, even Judas says, Lord, am I the one? Because all the disciples begin to ask, and Jesus says, you have said it. He confirms in this moment that Judas is the one that's going to betray him. And then after the the discussion of betrayal, and even after Jesus confirms that Judas is going to betray him, uh, Jesus takes the bread on the table. Now, this is important because the unleavened bread... <laughs> has been important since the very first Passover meal when God did lead the people out of Israel. But other than it just not containing yeast so that it would last longer and they would be able to travel with it, it had never really held any significance up to this point. So it's almost like God had used this unleavened bread and he had set it aside for a special meaning that had not come until this very moment in time. And Jesus takes this bread and he shows them that this is my body. And he begins to take this bread and he begins to break it and hand pieces of it to each of them. And, um, you know, it's kind of weird that in the past few weeks, we've had uh, a few of my family members have really suffered some pretty serious injuries. Um, I had a family member uh, cut one of his fingers off. Uh, my daughter uh, got stitches a few weeks ago. Then she fell again like two weeks ago and got a staple in the back of her head. And every time, you know, stuff like this has happened, it's, you, we just always assume the injuries are these clean-cut things that can easily be healed or mended. But a lot of times we forget that a lot of injuries, most injuries, are very gruesome and they're very hard to deal with. And so it's not something that can easily be healed. And so when Jesus is taking this bread and he's breaking it, you have to remember he's not cutting it up with a knife. He's not slicing it in nice, neat little pieces like we uh, tend to see and experience uh, you know, with the food that we eat. But yet he's breaking it. And most injuries are brutal. They're breaking, they're ripping, they're tearing. And when you start trying to put the body back together and mend it and it heals, it's really difficult for that to happen with a lot of injuries. And so Jesus is taking this bread and he's breaking it and he's showing like, this is my body. My body is going to be broken for you. It's going to be broken in such a way that, that 
theoretically, it should not be able to be repaired according to human understanding or expectations. But with God, all things are possible. And we know that eventually Jesus is going to be raised from the dead. He's going to have scars. He's going to have wounds. But he will be alive and well. But as Jesus takes this bread and he breaks it apart, he tells them to take and eat this, consume this. Let my broken body, let my sacrifice for you be what feeds you and what carries you on and gives you energy to sustain you in this life. And so then Jesus moves on to the part of the um, the meal where he is serving the wine to his family. And, and during this Passover meal, the father would pour wine into the cups of his family. And Jesus did this very same thing with his disciples. Now, um, this is super important because as Jesus or the father would pour the first cup of wine what the family would do is they would raise their glass and the Father would proclaim, the Lord your God has promised to bring you out of Egypt. And so upon that promise and upon that fulfilling of that promise, they would drink their wine of that first cup. And so then the Father would pour a second cup. And as they had the second cup, they would all raise their glass. And then the Father would say, the Lord your God will deliver you from slavery. And upon that second proclamation, the family would take and drink again. Now, it is important to remember that the people of Israel were led out of Egypt, but there was still something calling them back to Egypt. You know, you remember in Scripture, it says that they longed to go back. They, they cried out and complained against Moses and the Lord and they said, why did you bring us out to the desert to die? We had plenty of food, plenty of water. We had everything we needed in Egypt. And so even though God had led them out of Egypt, they were still held in bondage to slavery, to their provisions of what the Egyptians were able to give them, even though they didn't have their own free will. And so the Lord your God will deliver you from slavery was that second promise. And it was something that still had to be done, that God brought them out but he still wanted to deliver them from their slavery. And so then Jesus would pour another cup or the father would pour that third cup and they would raise their glass once again. And the father would proclaim the Lord, your God will redeem you. And it's important to remember that even though you've been brought out of Egypt and even though you have been freed from slavery, the people still needed to be redeemed. There still needed to be a ransom paid for them and in this moment Jesus is offering up himself as the ransom for us as people that God Jesus is going to pay that price and ransom us he's going to redeem us okay and so at the proclamation of that third thing that the Lord your God will redeem you they would drink and then they would have the fourth cup and the father would pour wine for the fourth time into everybody's cup. And they would raise their glass for the fourth time. And, he, and the Father would say, The Lord your God will take you as his people. And so once the Father made that proclamation, they would drink for the fourth time. Now, now pay attention to what's been said. The Lord your God's promised to take you out of Egypt. The Lord will deliver you from slavery. The Lord will redeem you. And the Lord will take you as his people. And so as all this is being proclaimed, the people are celebrating in this. And so this whole process of, of what these cups represent 
is technically what should happen to us as people when it comes to salvation. There's a process of God bringing us out of the world. There's a process of God freeing us from the bondage of sin, the slavery of sin. There's a process of God redeeming us, of of paying for us. And he did that on the cross with his own blood. He redeemed us. And then there's the process of God claiming us as his children. And this past Sunday, uh, we used the passage of Scripture. And I can't remember the reference, but it it said that... uh, It talked about Jesus saying, Who are my mothers, my sisters, my brothers? People who do the will of God are my brothers and sisters and mothers. So your identity as children of God is wrapped up in whether or not you are doing the will of God. And so what a wonderful privilege it is to be called children of God, to be claimed as his family, his people, and to be brought in as his children. And so in Matthew 26, verses 27 and the second part of verse 27 through verse 28, um, Jesus takes this this class and he, he holds it up for the final time. Okay, so he adds in an extra one at this moment. This is the covenant of the new blood. And he says, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And so as we finish up with this today, I just want to remind you guys and and, and proclaim to you, number one, that God has promised to bring you out of the world, okay? He brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, and he promises to bring us out of the world. He promised to deliver the people of Israel from slavery, and he's promised to deliver you from the bondage of sin, the slavery of sin. He's promised that he will redeem you, and he has. He died for you. He let his body be broken and his blood be poured out as a sacrifice for the sins of the world so that we could all be redeemed. And the Lord your God has promised to take you as his people. And if we will accept the blood of Jesus Christ and do his will, we will be claimed as children of God. And that's the promise that we get to cling to today. So as we read this passage... As we meditate on it, I just want to challenge you guys today to really think about what the Lord's Supper means, this communion, um, what the Passover meal means, uh, the whole process here, this very intimate moment that Jesus has with his disciples in these last moments of, of this meal that he's sharing with. And even up to the very end, when he's about to die and his soul is crushed, and we'll talk about this next time, his soul is crushed to the point of death. He still celebrates this meal with them because it's the law and he obeys the law perfectly even up to the point of his death so that God can be honored, his body can be offered as a sacrifice, his blood can be counted as worthy to redeem us, and he can claim us as his people. And that is good news, people. That is very good news. Let's pray together and I'll let you go. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together today to read your word, to study it, and to just uh, remind ourselves uh, the things that you've called us to do, to remember you and remember all the good things that you've done for your people in the past, and Lord, even what you're doing for us now and what you want to do in us in the future. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be called your children, and I pray that you would be with us, go with us, and guide us in all we do. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope to see you in person. If not, catch us on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, We're praying for you guys and hope to see you soon.